The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome into another episode of Bare Bones. As always, I am Mason West, and shortly we'll be joined by Danny Meehan, who is, oh, look at that. I summoned him. That's pretty cool. You you have summoned me, sir, Dr. Mason Westo. That is some language for Mason West. Yeah, that was, Danny's in a mood. I'm tired. This is, the Bears were not interesting today. It's It's a day. <laughs> can confirm today is in fact a day um but so basically we're going to run through what we did see a little bit from the week uh specifically also then today what went on with the bears the good the bad unfortunately and then just a little preview leading into the titans game that's coming up on saturday um first and foremost i think one of the most important things danny is bears might have a logo change question mark is it really a change if it was always there no, absolutely not. And from what I understand, it just basically is like a slight shifting of what they already have. Um, but yeah, it feels it, like it might be like more two primary. It's it felt like there was already two primary ones, and they just decided like, oh, hey, this is just what we're doing now. Which, even if that's all you get, like I mean, I've always been very pretty vocal about. Uh, you know, the Bears are always like we have this tradition and we can't change anything, da, 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 da. but at a minimum, if you shift from the C to the bear, which is a much more dynamic logo, I think all of a sudden the helmets look cooler. The field looks cooler. It's, it's small, but it's just enough where I'm like still excited about it. 
Yeah, I mean, and maybe we'll finally get a cool alternate where the bear head is involved and not just the traditional C kind of thing. Absolutely. So diving into some of the specifics of camp, one of the more important ones is the curious case of Nate Davis. Uh, he's there. He's at camp. He just is not participating. Um, I think one th- uh, there was a tweet by Jeff Burks of Winnie City Gridiron. He does Bear and Balanced. I'm sure most of you listen to that. But he has some theories as to what's going on here. Tired that Nate Davis doesn't like to practice. Wired. Nate Davis hasn't been issued his pads yet. Inspired. Nate Davis has mastered football and needs no more practice. First team all pro season upcoming. Kind of wild, isn't it, Danny? It is kind of wild, especially because it's like he's your big, high-priced offensive free agent, and he hasn't played. And then there was that reporting done, or not reporting, but like the digging done by some random Bears fan on Twitter that was, I believe, actually confirmed by Brad Spielberger of Pro Football Focus, that he has never played a preseason snap in like the past two or three preseasons or whatever. Like, what is going on especially because i think you and i have maybe talked about this off the show before mason but there is a necessary quote-unquote callousing that comes with football you have to get used to hitting and almost like being in some form of discomfort at all points of your playing right so he's just not doing that and it's like he's a good football player but it's not like he's good enough to warrant not playing you know yeah i mean i would agree with that and at a bare minimum when you look at it if i'm a teammate of his and i'm out there busting my butt whether it's to make the team as a guy trying to make that final 50 through 53 spot or if i'm you know the cody Whitehair, if i'm tevin jenkins if i'm one of the other linemen and i i want to play next to you and get a feel for you know for for, for you as a player next to me the communication that you have, you know, and that's where you pick up the little things here and there that are going to help you when the season starts. And, you know, ultimately not just that, but like he's creating a situation where if he doesn't come out week one and look stellar, fans are going to be quite upset. And I would imagine coaching staff as well. But he's also just not going to look that way. That's never how he's played. He's been good, not stellar. Like, I'm pretty harsh on Tevin Jenkins, but Tevin Jenkins at the peak of his powers is stellar. Nate Davis is good. Like there's a fine line and a big difference between those two things. Well, and you have plenty of other players who are good, if not great, and they still practice. I don't, you're not above practice. This is an Allen Iverson meme where he's just saying practice who needs practice. Like there is a reason to do it, especially when you're new to the fucking team. Like, I'm sorry, you might be, oh, you, man, your body gotta, might be fine, but like, again, learn how to play next to Cody Whitehair. There is a difference. Let the record show Mason dropped an F-bomb six minutes in to the show. I'm just so over the, it's one of those things. Uh, Mason, are we live? Because it says scheduled in the top left corner for me. No, nah, it says live. Okay. Mine and we're getting comments. Update. Like this one from sorry. Orange Cassidy. Nate is fine. No need to rush him. He doesn't do preseason. Same like Michael Strahan. Like, he's not Michael Strahan, though. Like, he's just not. Like, he's Nate fucking Davis. I'll do a second F-bomb. Like, goddamn. And the, the more important part, you're saying playing next to Cody Whitehair. He's got a rookie right tackle next to him. Yeah. 
You'd think like, like just, you know, having conversations being like, hey, you know, Darnell, if you see this situation, this is what I'm going to do to help you out. Or if this happens, just communicate with me and do this. Like you can't do that when you're standing on the sideline with your thumb up your butt. And the biggest question about it all is would they have spent this money on him knowing that he just doesn't play? Like I, I genuinely hope he's okay. Like, and there's nothing personal going on. No, for sure. He, he, he's mentally like not there or maybe he's got something lingering, like a soft tissue issue or something like that. But we don't know. Like we haven't been like, I would almost feel better if they said he's got like a hand issue that he's been dealing with since last off season. And they're not wanting to have him, you know, deal with the issues of, it, you know, Exactly. I mean, there's a difference between, you know, did, did he walk in and, you know, polls called up his agent and they're like, all right, let's have a conversation. Uh, we'd like to sign, you know, your, your client, Nate Davis. And Nate's like, Hey, just so you know, I don't really practice. Like just, I just don't do it. And if I'm going to sign here, I'm not going to if, and like, this was a known thing, then I think it's still stupid, but whatever, at least you knew it going into it. But if Nate Davis showed up and was like, yeah, now I'm not going to do participate. Like, let's say there isn't a <laughs> soft tissue issue or whatever that I have a problem with. And it's just, there's no reason to spend more than about eight minutes as we have talking about this. Um, it's because it's dumb, uh, is what it's it is. Dumb. It's just it's really dumb. What goes on. Yeah. And if he shows up week one and balls out, great. This is a non story. But if he, if on the third play, he gets blown by by the defensive lineman, then I'm, I'm going to have a, be upset. It just is what it is. Uh, but that yeah, leads to someone it, that it, we it, know is injured, Chase Claypool. Um, by all accounts, Chase Claypool has been having a really good camp, if not a chippy one. Uh, how big is an injury that let's say he can't play the rest of the preseason? How big is that for Chase, or is it big at all? I think it's pretty big because you guys are still developing chemistry within within him and Justin's relationship on the field. I think it also matters because Darnell's Darnell Mooney is getting healthier by the day, and he is going to be basically fighting for that wide receiver two spot with him, and they're probably only extending one of them, and. We already know Darnell's got a good rapport and relationship. They're like besties, him and Justin, right? To my knowledge. So, and the Claypool thing is just weird. Like, I, I understand, like, in our little draft, your, your Bears for the next three years thing that we did, Mason, like, I took him before any other wide receiver not named DJ Moore. But it's like, something is just off, right? Like, like I, even, like, the story where he apparently called uh, Tariq Stevenson a bitch. And I, he said, I, I pulled my hamstring making you look like a bitch or whatever. Like, I don't mind jawing and, and stuff like that, especially like we'll get into Tyreek Stevenson. I think here in a minute, but this idea that you haven't proven anything, you peaked your first 12 weeks of your career and you've been on a slow downward trend to the point where the team that drafted you, drafted a replacement and shipped you out because they wanted nothing else to do with you. Like something's just not adding up about the whole chase playpool thing. And I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm actually, I'm a little bit at a loss for words. Cause I'm not really sure where you're going with this point. Like, I mean, it's, it's not like he's choosing to sit. He just came up with like, no, no. Yeah. He came up with, I'm saying like the whole barking and jawing thing. I, I got on a tangent. There's just some guys. I think it's one of those things that, I don't know. My guess is that's just how he works. He's just a vocal dude. And the problem yeah, is sometimes you can back it up and sometimes you can't. So far, you know, his career as a whole can't back it up. But at least what we saw in training camp so far, specifically at Tyreek Stevenson, I mean, 
each time you hear something, Tyreek, he's got a, we talked about this multiple times. It sucks for Tyreek that he's going up against like DJ Moore every damn day. And so like, you're going to look stupid, but at the same time, Chase is definitely taking advantage of him multiple times throughout camp. And he's, he's going to talk yeah, I get, And I'm very happy that Chase was, was performing. Well. I want Chase to be good at football. I want that investment to feel like it matters. It's more just, I, the, in terms of the hammy thing that, Soft tissue injuries with wide receivers were, will, especially early in, or late in camp, are always going to sit weird with me because he's got to play in the preseason, I think, and we don't know to what extent he's going to be able to. And we don't know if that thing's going to be right almost the whole year now because all it takes is one break, one, one get off on the line, and it, it's just aggravated again. It's just how they work. Well, that's the thing we don't know, too. There's no reports like, of it whatsoever. Some – you know, one reporter you hear talks about it just being tightness. Another reporter, you know, talks about being like a true like pull or strain. If it's the former, I mean, yeah, he could be playing in the Tennessee game. If it's the latter, he could miss the entire preseason. So just keep an eye out for it kind of thing. And that's the thing that sucks about these early injuries is that, you know, yep. with it, with no injury report or anything like that, they have no need to tell us anything. So it could just be that, hey, he just feels a little tight. We're just not going to risk it. He's just going to chill. Yeah, it could just be tightness. It could it could be something more than that. We don't know. I think the only report I saw of him today was that he was on the exercise bike at one point. He hopped off and he didn't have his helmet. Right. Like exactly. Uh, a couple other things that just kind of more interesting as a whole. Uh, so you have players who did not practice today. Uh, we already mentioned Chase Claypool, but you also have Jaquan Brisker, Tremaine Edmonds, Nate Davis, the Lucas Patrick, Dylan Cole, Terrell Smith, Nathan Peterman, and Demarcus Walker. So of those players, Danny, who is hurting the most from not being out there? Uh, hurting the most, you said, can you rattle them off again just because they're hard to keep all up? Yep. Jaquan Brisker, Chase Claypool, Jaquan. Tremaine Edmonds, Jeez. Nate Davis, Lucas Patrick, Dylan Cole, Terrell Smith, Nathan Peterman, Demarcus Walker. Oh, God, you're, I'm inclined to go with Claypool because of just needing the more chemistry and reps with Justin Fields. Um Nate Davis, I guess, just because of the nature of that position, the, like I said, the necessary callousing that goes with just banging heads every single snap. Dylan Cole's a special teamer. Terrell Smith, I mean, obviously, again, rookie, needs reps, especially because it felt like earlier on in camp, him and, uh, him and Tyreek were really battling it out to see who was going to be opening the season as the outside starter. But... That's yeah, who I was going to go with, uh, Terrell Smith, actually, just because with what you said, it still seems more or less like an open competition. When they're both playing, they're splitting reps pretty evenly. And so if you, the best ability is availability. And so if Terrell Smith can't be out there, Tyreek Stevenson's now going to get the nod. So for him, Chase is going to be a part of the team regardless. Like it's good in terms of the, the team as a whole and the outcome. Yeah, Chase mm-hmm. is important. Nate sure. Davis is important. Tremaine Evans is important. But I think for individually, like Terrell Smith has the most to lose by not being out there. And, and you know, as, uh, in terms of like just morale and stuff, the Walker thing hurts because he's de- – I think he's definitely the leader of that defensive line room. Like he, he seems to bring like their juice, their energy, their swagger, whatever you want to term it. Like whatever makes you feel what he brings, whatever that word is for you, that's what you'll go with. But he definitely, I think, is their – their leader, their guy that is the one that gets them up in the morning and like says, Hey, let's bring it every single play. So and someone who else 
so sorry, someone who did practice today, who's been out for a long time, is Dante Pettis. He was taken off the NFI oh football list. And I guess two-part question. A, does it really matter? And B, if it does matter, what has to occur for Dante Pettis to make this team? Uh, you know, had you asked me going into camp who I think is more likely, VJJ or Pettis, I would have said Pettis because of him just frankly being better last year. And the as funny as it is to say, like the age difference between him and VJJ isn't great. Um, but with reports of like, they clearly are installing like gadget plays and stuff with VJJ and he's just a better, most more explosive athlete. And the path to which Pettis's uh, roster spot was, was punt returner. Like he's simply just for as elite as he was at it, for the Huskies in Washington, he has not been a good returner in the NFL. He's been fine. He's been unspectacular. But BJJ is still number one there. And that's obviously because Pettis hasn't practiced. But if they're drawing up gadget plays and stuff where where Jones is getting the ball, like that's just stuff Pettis doesn't do despite being a better wide receiver. I've been pretty adamant. Um, I think I said VJJ could be a surprise cut pretty early on in the summer here. But at the same time, if it's between the two of them, I've been, like I said, adamant that I think it's VJJ, VJJ over Pettis. For all the reasons you just said, uh, it's not a huge deal, but the unofficial depth chart, ooh, you know how special that is, um, did list VJJ at both, uh, you know, punt and kick returner. So take that with a grain of salt. Um, but at the end of the day, your wide receiver six, you don't need them to play wide receiver so to me the the importance of who's a better route runner kind of like that is less it's kind of mitigated uh, and as you talked about it's what can you what can you do that the other person can't so like you talked about the gadget plays for Velas, or at the end of the day you know the explosion that he can do when he gets his hands on the ball in the right. punt return game so to answer my own question you know if Velas jones goes out there and muffs a punt in the preseason that's kind of what Dante Pettis would need at this point. Otherwise, I think it's Bayless' spot. Yeah, I'm in total agreement with you there. All right, we're going to take a brief break here and do a little uh, ad read for our friend, My Mighty Meals. Owner and founder Chris Davia puts the personal touch to healthy eating that most meal prep services are missing. I have been using his services for almost three years now and haven't looked back. My Mighty Meals are cooked fresh and delivered directly to your home or work weekly in the Chicagoland area. They taste great the day you get them, as well as the final day of your week as you anticipate your next delivery. Each meal is macro-friendly and makes it incredibly easy to track. You can choose from standard meals that are under 500 calories or heftier ones that are usually between 500 and 750 calories. The meals rotate each week, so I personally never get bored. A few examples include barbecue meatloaf and sweet potatoes, Italian turkey and couscous, and Denver tater tot scramble. If you need something more specific or have dietary restrictions, you can customize your order for just a little bit more. One of my favorite parts is that there isn't a subscription, so you don't get stuck with meals you don't need. Order one, order 10. Skip a week, skip a month. It's kind of up to you if you need a break. You can find him on Instagram at MyMightyMeals, and make sure you use code GRIDIRON25 for 25% off your first order at MyMightyMeals.com. At this point, there's no reason not to try it. Save 25%, get some awesome food, and then you're not going to want to go back. 
Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Now, moving on to some well, players. Well, now I'm hungry that's... because of you. Yeah, you're welcome. Go grab some food at some point. Well, now, now, because you're doing this. But after this. <laughs> I am going to let you go on your soapbox of Noah Sewell. Because apparently he is bawling out at camp. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I, for one, I, I just am at a loss for words. No, so I don't think we should be all that shocked in a way because just pedigree and athleticism and like Sanborn is a good story. He was a really good football player last year for a defense that just lacked a whole lot of anything. Noah Sewell is a different breed of athlete in terms of his lineage and him being related to Panay. And he would have been a probable you know, second round, maybe even late first round pick had he been able to come out after his second season in college. Absolutely, yeah. He he would have, like, he just had a down year in a system that he was learning brand new. It was a brand new defensive system, which I know it's all, like, all the talk is, you know, linebackers don't matter, this, that, the other, like, you can find them wherever. But I, I'm i genuinely happy for the kid. And, and for for all those people, like, I can't believe they're doing this to Jack Sanborn. He's an undrafted free agent who's a lot to make the 53 as an undrafted rookie. He's not going anywhere. And it sucks to say, but at the end of the day, it's the, it's the fucking NFL. Like, nothing is owed to you. Nothing is given to you. You know, it, it's just one of those situations where, like, it's it sucks to be like, – to an extent, you want to play, you want to be a starter. But let's be real. I mean, he was starting – at Sam, like you're barely on the field anyway. And if, as far as we can tell, he still might be the first, if not second person that comes in, if there is an injury. So like, as you said, Danny, undrafted free agent guaranteed to make the final 53. Yeah. Pretty, pretty good still. Yeah. And he's, he's going to play. He's going to be a four state, four phase special teamers. Like I guess. And I, I know the reasons why he's, he's a local kid. He went to Wisconsin. He's a big 10 kid. We can list one more really obvious reason that I'm not going to get into on this show, but on athletic white dude, you took it there, not me. <laughs> I'm sorry. Chicago loves its unathletic white dudes. They just do. Like I mean, they, they do. Athletic they ones do. Absolutely do. Shout out to Ryan Terrio. You know, <laughs> like, but it's at the end of the day, 
is anyone genuinely shocked that Noah Sewell, who is clearly playing well in camp, has come in here and maybe just taken Jack Sanborn's spot without much issue? If you actually like, pay attention to football, you should not be surprised, no. Like, I'm not shocked. Even in college, Noah Sewell was a better football player before the system change. Like, why – I just don't get, like, why people, like, all over the Bears Twitterverse and whatnot are just like, I can't believe they're doing this to Jack. Like, he's not your cousin. He's not your unborn son. Like, he's he's Jack Sanborn who's going to be on the 53-man 50, roster and contributing to the Chicago Bears. I love Orange Cassidy's comment, along with Hunter Hillenmire. Like, what a what a great call! Oh God, Jack Sanborn can only dream of being Hunter Hillenmire. Yeah, <laughs> too. Like the reason I brought this up even was because I think Adam Hogue asked the question today. I mean, if he didn't, sorry to whoever actually asked the question. Um, who basically, like, you know, the offense has been struggling. We're going to get to that in a little bit. Uh, and who on the defensive side has really been a part of that? And Luke Getzey specifically called out Noah Zool. So, you know, of all the players that are on the other side of the ball to call out Noah Sewell, I think that does matter. It does. It absolutely does. A uh, couple of the things that uh, have occurred in this last practice. Uh, Nicholas Mariano, a semi-friend of the podcast, hasn't met full friend mode yet, but he was on last week talking about camp. He tweeted out that Braxton Jones went up against Yannick Ngakwe on third down in team drills. Ngakwe used an inside move, and Jones recovered well on the play. Justin Fields attempted attempted to hit Tristan Ebner to the right, but TJ Edwards forced an incomplete pass. Braxton Jones also had a, pan- a couple pancake blocks yesterday, a couple good reps against Yannick. So how do you balance that with some of the general negativity that's been flowing out of camp specifically with the offensive line? Um, It's tough to say because, again, what is it just Yannick who's just gotten off his couch? Well, how much of it is him just – getting into football form kind of thing, you know, shout out to him actually practicing despite being a high price free agent. Um, but I, I think it matters more now in terms of Braxton's, Braxton's uh, mental makeup and his kind of like almost feeling like the monkey got off his back. Cause with, when it was a non-contact stuff, he was clearly struggling. And now that he's able to actually put his hands on people and do the, the thump or the thud or the bang, whatever you want to call that version of practice. Cause they haven't gone full to the ground yet. And I'm not sure that they will like, so he's clearly thriving better and, and linemen are always going to thrive better. Linebackers and running backs are always going to thrive more. It feels like when it is like coming to just, we are going to start popping pads now. Wait, I mean, so maybe that- you disagree with that, but that's just my assessment of the situation. No, I would agree. I mean, like the first part of training camp is, you know, seven on seven and then like this weird padless 11 on 11. And that's when the DJ Moores and the, the cornerbacks need to show out. And then as soon as you start to actually put pads on, do run and install, you know, you haven't had these defensive linemen hit anyone not truly in a while. They're going to get after you, you know, add on to that. We keep hearing how energized the defense is and how lackadaisical really the offense is. Uh, I, can't, I can't remember who tweeted it out. But, you know, there was a, a touchdown scored yesterday and the offense was like dead. You know, nothing happened, nothing whatsoever. But on the defensive side, they get a pass breakup, there's an interception, there's an almost sack, and, and they're cheering, they're excited, there's juice. Uh, Herb Howard talked about how today Gervin Dexter is, have, has a pretty good day. There were multiple sacks, in theory, you know, sacks, TFLs, batted balls, 
get off the pier a bit better. I mean, the defense is actively improving. So, and the thing about the defenses, and I want to, I can't stress this enough. I don't think they're going to be a good unit by any stretch. I think they're going to be a feisty, just annoying unit where no matter how bad you might be railing them, that they're just going to, they're going to keep coming. And I think that's part, part of why someone like Everflus was maybe okay with them not investing a ton into the defense this offseason, aside from linebacker, because it's like he, he's probably just that old school coach who just give me whoever I'll coach it up. I'm going to coach up to the best of my ability. Doesn't matter. Like, and uh, yeah, they, they drafted Dexter, which the latest report on him, I'm sure you saw Mason, is he consistency on his get off, which shouldn't be a shock to anyone. Like, he's just got. That that was his issue at Florida. I know he was asked to mirror and re- read and react and everything, but that's its own thing. But to, back to your original point of I, I enjoy the mentality they seem to be playing with. And I think a lot of it starts up front, especially because of – I think I really believe that you're two, if I had to like name two leaders on your defense, it'd probably be Jaquan Brisker and Demarcus Walker. Mm, and yeah. But that, that that's how those guys play. Like they, they want to to bring that emotional charisma to that side of the ball. And I'm willing to currently be patient with Dexter as he hopefully learns, figures out what he's supposed to be doing in this kind of defense with this kind of role, hopefully seeing that get off improve, things of that nature. The one I'm currently more frustrated with is actually, you know, his so, compatriot who's also drafted is Zach Pickens. Because either you hear nothing about him or you hear that he that he's getting stonewalled, or that he's just not a part of the run defense, and it's like, what are you doing, dude? Like that part's where I'm frustrated at. Yeah, I, I agree with that, especially because the thing that he was supposed to be best at, which was his his get off and getting and getting penetration, he just he doesn't seem to be doing that, and, and it is frustrating because if you ask me who I thought was more likely to make an impact immediately as a rookie, not saying like down the line who's going to be better. In the, as a rookie, but just immediate impact to who I think is going to be more impactful. I would have picked Pickens because I know what he does do. And it just doesn't seem like it's working to this point. So one of the things I was excited about going into this off season, this summer, and then hopefully this year was it's, it's bad to use the word excuses, but the removal, or at least the, you know, push, push away a bit of excuses for Justin Fields because, you know, he didn't have weapons last year that could get open. He went out and got a DJ Moore, Chase Claypool, hopefully taking another step. You got a Robert Tanya, things of nature. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the offensive line horrendous. You're hoping improvement that from the revolving door that was Sam Mustafer, you know, the, from tackles that were in and out due to injury, all this stuff. But so far, and again, it's early and still early in the off season and in, in training camp. So far, the offensive line has been a problem. You hear time and time again that a lot of reports basically from the Bears beat, it starts with a Bears offensive alignment's name, or sorry, defensive alignment's name or a linebacker's name, and ends with got into the backfield. You hear Zach Pearson tweeted out that defensive line created a lot of pressures today in 11 on 11. Someone was in the backfield on a lot of these plays, not a lot of time for Justin. I want to see who Justin is and what Justin can do, and I can't do that if your offensive line is porous. Now, keep in mind today, it was. Uh, Braxton, Tevin, Cody, Jatir Carter, and Darnell Wright. Obviously, Darnell being a rookie, Jatir Carter's coming in and doing the best he can. But this is a problem for me. I, 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 how am I 
how is this year going to go if your line is a sieve again? Well, I, I agree with you. And I'm because I'm also the guy I think I've said on here, like, I don't care how magical your scheme is or how good you think your quarterback is. If you can't block someone, it doesn't matter. Like, I, I know, like, people, players like Joe Burrow and, and stuff like that make it seem like it does, doesn't really matter as much as it should. But that's a, a different breed, a different rarity of quarterback in terms of his processing speed and everything. Justin needs time to operate, that's just how he is. And I, I just – I don't want to go through another season of where he's getting the ball. And and mind you, it's going to happen early on, especially with Darnell Wright, where he's going to get blown back and he's going to get run around, especially probably the first quarter of the season as he gets his feet wet. Like, but I, I – if your offensive line is Swiss cheese again or a sieve or whatever you want to call it, a, a, a five turnstiles and a guy snapping a ball, you know, you can't have that again because you're doing your quarterback a disservice. Though. Yeah. I, as a whole, I know I've been a bit more of a defend defender of polls and I've been pretty happy overall with how, what polls has done considering what he was left with when Ryan Pace left that being said. And we also know that or we're pretty certain that the bears had other plans. For example, the offensive line that Mike McGlinchey was really supposed to be the right tackle, but he just got priced out and you couldn't, you, you, he, he wasn't, you weren't willing to pay what he was going to get elsewhere. I can't remember what his actual contract was. So it'd be interesting to see where this year ended up. If in fact you ended up having McGlinchey at your right tackle and so on and so forth. That being said, kind of like Scox just pointed out there, what team really has great offensive line depth, but at the same time, I am concerned about this team's offensive line depth. If Tevin goes down and you have Jatir Carter and Nate Davis, how happy are you with that? If, Braxton Jones has to miss a game. You have Larry Borum as your swing tackle. How happy are you with that? If you have Cody White here, who has had injury history at, overall, go down with something, even if it's a game or two, how confident are you in Lucas Patrick? He looks fine in five snaps that he played center last year, but it was five damn snaps, and he got hurt for a second time with Lucas Patrick coming in at center. I, I just don't love the depth, and also when you have so many question marks on your starters. Oh, and, and you can pretty much pencil in Tevin is going to miss time. It's already happening. Tevin's already getting nicked up and knocked around. It's just, it, could it all be precautionary to ensure his long-term health? Sure. I'm not banking on that guy playing more than half the season. Truly. like, And that's to the greater point of how much do you like Jatiree Carter? I know they were having him work in at center a lot. I think they like him a lot. But I think the offensive line to this point is truly an indictment on Foles because short of them drafting – Darnell Wright, there hasn't been a huge investment. Really outside of Nate Davis. And Davis, again, good. Solid. And then you also had Alex Leatherwood left with an injury. I don't know if he came back today. I didn't even check that. Um, But, like, I don't know. There's a couple other vets sitting out there that I think are good, that it would be nice to have. Um, Whether or not the the Bears actually go that route, they are still going to be number one on the waiver wire for a while. Um, and then you got some final cuts when it comes to as teams start to trim trim players down. This isn't set in stone, but at the same time, I'm not going to be sitting here and trying to convince myself or anyone that someone they picked up that another team said, "Well, you're not good enough for R53," is going to be a savior for our team, whether it's as a starter <laughs> or as a depth piece. Like I'm, it's someone else's garbage. I'm sorry. Like 
there's a there's a rare case where it's like we just can't afford this person this rookie or a second year showed out and now we don't need you anymore but that doesn't happen often usually someone that's getting cut is getting cut for a reason and it's the chances that they're that much better than what you have is not high it's probably slim to none i really wanted them to add, add cam irving in the even in, before we knew Darnell Wright was coming, because he's a legitimate NFL tackle who can play either side at a pinch. But that didn't happen, obviously. Like, does anyone feel good if either tackle goes down and you're trotting Larry Borum out there? No, he wears a dumb skull cap. I don't like it. <laughs> it has nothing to do with his playing ability, according yes, to Yes, it Mason. does. Hey, look, look good, play good. When you wear a skull cap as an offensive lineman, you do not play good. It's a fact. Science. It's also a fact that if you wear the loose sleeves, you're probably a baller because everyone hates how you look. I hated the loose sleeves on Quinn. I hate loose sleeves. Just wear a compression shirt or don't wear sleeves at all. What's your problem? All right, we're, we're moving on past the atrocities that is this Bears team over this week, and we're going to move on to preseason game one against the Tennessee Titans. Uh, when Joy. it comes to, to this game, you know, it, there's going to be a limited number of snaps. I believe it's by player. Uh, something that Eberflus highlighted. So it's not like, hey, the entire offense is going to get a series, two series, whatever. You know, one player might get eight snaps, another player might get 15. Uh, they have a plan right now in terms of how they're going to handle that. Uh, in addition to that, you know, it's, you're going to see, you're going to get to see Justin, which is great. Um, what the, what Flus wants is he wants to see, can we get in and out of the huddle crisp and execute the play if we have any run to pass or pass to pass, run to run stuff going on? You know, we got to make sure we look at that. Can we make all the protection calls that he needs to make, make the adjustments, just the operation? That's what we're looking for. So that's what he wants out of Justin for the most part. Mm -hmm. Danny, what do you, what are you looking for from the offense as a whole in this Tennessee Titans game? Um, some Christmas. I want to see Justin working in the middle of the field. Like I know a lot of the clips that have been surfacing have been working it. And I want to see him hit some layups, like hit your five yard slant, your little swing routes. Yeah. Like, for whatever reason, he makes the hard throws. He makes the outside the numbers or outside the hashes throws, the big long shots down the field. He struggles with your gimmicks, the things that are supposed to almost be like your confidence builders. Like, what was it we always said about Mitch? Like, well, let him hit two five-yard swings. Let him get his confidence up. Like, it's such a – it's like the reverse for him on everything. Like, he just knows he can do the hard stuff. He just struggles with the easy stuff. I would love – if I could have like one perfect one drive, just one like 10 to 12 play drive that I don't need an explosive play. I know that can happen whether it's Justin's legs or that it's going to happen with a deep ball. Can I get one drive where it's like you said, a five yard swing route, a slant, a 15 yard dig. Here's one scramble. Just work the way down the field and get a touchdown. Cause that was another thing that you heard a lot. I thought this week was that it was a lot of, all right, you know, the offense marched down and then you have Cairo Santos or the former Andre Schmidt rest in peace as a bear, a Chicago bear. He got cut, uh, kicks a field goal. I don't field goals. Don't get you wins. I want to see you march down, get into the red zone and then also score a touchdown. I want so one I, long drive. You know what I would kill for? Like, I, I don't only happen probably two or three times in Mitch's illustrious bears tenure, but like the death by a thousand paper cuts drive where like, because Nagy at his heart of hearts is a true West Coast system guy who added stuff in there. Like the the couple drives where we saw Mitch go like 18 plays and it was just six yards, four yards, eight yards, 12 yards, six yards, four yards. Like I would kill to see Justin do that just once. One time. Just to 
prove to me it's like it's not pretty it's like the brian hoyerization of football is what i'll call it but like it's sometimes necessary to be able to do that you see the good quarterbacks do that you see that right. jalen hurts did that last year as needed they had explosive plays but they also were able to sustain drives yeah it's all it's the same thing as like i always say like i know running the ball isn't sexy although for whatever reason last year it came back and people were like this is awesome again like when you can just line up and bash forward for four yards at will you know what that does to you like it's gross it's not pretty to watch it's but there's a mental toll on it like that we just can't get off the field 100 so let's flip it uh what are you looking for from the defense are you flying around is the is or what is what you're doing in practice carrying over to the game? Like, are we going to see this same saltiness, this same edge for a team that's really going to be like a ragtag bunch of nobodies trying to compete and prove their worth in the league? Are you bringing that same hostility, emotion, and and almost like controlled chaos to the field to where you you could theoretically call a penalty every play like those. I always akin it to like the Seahawks of the Legion of Boom years where they were committing penalties every play, but you literally can't call a penalty every play kind of thing. Like that's how they're going to have to play because they're under talented, you know, I'm going to take the low hanging fruit and I'm going to just say more. Can, can there be the shadows of pressure? Can, can someone win a one-on-one that makes the opposing quarterback get the ball a little quicker? You know, without having to bring extra pressure, can Javon Dexter get up the field a little bit? Can Justin Jones, can Yannick Ngakwe, who's probably going to play very limited snaps if he plays at all, to be honest, you know, can there be a sack? I I just want to see the shadows of pressure that in the future could lead to decent. We're we're going to see. We're going to say see two things this weekend. We're going to see Rasheem Green walk a defensive end back into the quarterback and get a sack. And Dominique Robinson is going to do the thing where he long arms someone, bends the arc, and gets to the quarterback like almost unabated because he's just an athletic specimen who's learning a completely new position. And everyone's going to freak out because Robinson will have done it against like a fourth string bum. <laughs> and that is the thing too. Obviously, I'm going to keep in mind like when that happens. If it's in like the first se- or second series, cool. I'm excited. If it's in the fourth quarter, I don't care. All right, so I'm with you. Who? Okay, you got to keep this to. I'm gonna let you say two players at most. You can't rattle off a bunch of names. Okay. Who has the most to gain in this game? Most to gain. And you can interpret that however you so choose. I want to say one of the interior defensive linemen because while Billings and Justin Jones are your quote unquote starters, if I'll go with Dexter. If Dexter, Dexter can go out there and wreak a little havoc, show the get off, even if it's inconsistently to just get into the backfield and push someone around and make a play, you're going to see probably more specifically uh, Justin Jones' time probably gets slashed pretty quickly. I think that's a really good answer. That's one of the, one of the answers I probably would have given. Uh, I'll go with, just, just be a little different. I'm going to go with Tyreek Stevenson to kind of put the the period at the end of the sentence of saying I am the I am the rookie starter that's going to come in here, right? So can he look confident? Can he you know get a pass breakup or two? Can he cover who he needs to cover? If or even do a dynamic if he can get a pick, 
if he gets a pick and he can say like, all right, this is my job, especially with Terrell Smith being, being out. So, and that's, I'm glad you brought him up because I wanted to touch on him. I know I brought up the Claypool thing kind of on my tangent earlier. I love the fact that he seems to just be an absolute irritant and pest to these wide receivers. And he doesn't care that he gets burned. Like he is in your, in your face, in your grill, however you want to say it, just completely almost making you hate the fact that he's there. Like I, I know he, people hated him when he played, but I adored Cortland Finnegan, the short, salty Tennessee. Titan. But if he could come in and Cortland had a couple of years where I want to say he was a first team all pro, like he was a legit NFL corner, but if he can come in here and establish that like kind of mentality of just, I'm here all day, dude. And I'm going to let you know, I'm here all day. Like I would love it. I just pulled up Peter King's three takeaways from bears camp. Point number two is Tyreek Stevenson is a feisty competitor. and isn't going to back down to anyone. Perfect. My man. All right, so let's wrap it up. Who is the most to lose in this game? Um, I think Khalil Herbert could have a lot to lose, honestly. That's a good call. That's a good one. Like, if if, if uh, Deontay Foreman comes out and runs hard and gets some yardage, if Roshan Johnson comes out and shows how multifaceted he is, if <laughs> – can't believe I'm saying it, but reports are trusting Ebner – is having a hell of a camp. If he comes in there and gets some run with the twos, like I know off season trades aren't likely, but that's a loaded running back room. If the bears think they can maybe get draft capital or someone that can maybe help because trust in Ebner, God, that's such a stupid thing to hear myself say. Like you trust in Ebner, but like, it's true. Like I think I was going to trade for Jonathan Taylor. Why would they trade away one of their running backs? Oh, shut up. I, I hate you. <laughs> okay. Oh, God. I'm going to say, uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier. I'm going to say Bayless. Because if there's any punt or kick return, that there is a botch of any kind, and he, that could be it for him. He could literally get cut the next week. Yep. Because at the end of the day, you can only do so many gadgety things with someone and, and give uh... them a roster spot. He has to be someone they trust on special teams, and if and at mm-hmm. this point, if if that's not the case, if it's in a game and he fumbles the ball, I cannot say. So that, he's be around. that that was my question. Say on his first one of his first two punt returns back there this week, he botches one. Is that it? Is are we pulling the plug, or is Eberflus pulling the plug on the experiment for Velas as punt returner? Because he wasn't. He was objectively awful at it last year. I mean, I don't think it's literally going to be like after the game, it's like come into my office, you're gone. But, you know, by the time you need final cuts, I would say so. That's the mm-hmm. thing. If, if he does something on offense, though, like that was the thing that was so frustrating was that for through the first half, if not three quarters of last season, every time he touched the ball, it was either a first down, a touchdown, or just some explosive play. So if he could stack one or two of those, that might save him. But, like, it's tough. And on the benefit of if he stays, he can take the other players to Olive Garden and use his AARP discount. I wasn't ready for this. Sorry. There you go. 
All right, there's uh, there's a comment here I do want to highlight. Again, Orange Gatsky, if a rookie wide receiver balls out and Claypool sucks, watch his playtime dwindle. First of all, his name is Tyler Scott. If you're going to say he needs to ball out, say his name. Second of all, they're two completely different positions in terms of wide receiver. And also, third of all, Tyler Scott's been dropping balls all camp. I, I just, man. Tyler Scott is stay eating popcorn before he gets on the line for his rep. He just, I just had, he like Brucey in uh, the longest yard. I'm excited for Tyler Scott. And don't get my comment wrong too. Like, I think he's going to, he's going to be fun and he's important for this team in terms of what he can do. Tyler Scott matters more to this offense than people are going to understand by virtue of the fact that he just exists. Correct. When Tyler Scott trots his little ass out there and people read the scouting report of he averaged 44.8 yards per touchdown in college. It doesn't matter that he hasn't done it in the NFL. That is real speed. We had Nicholas Moriano on this very show last week saying, yes, he's a different type of fast. And you're talking about Chase Claypool's a... I think that's our cue. (laughs) All right. We're going to wrap up the show here. Uh, Thanks, everyone, so much. This was awesome. Uh, And at some point, there might be a time where there's a breakdown for the show on somewhere on Windy City Gridiron. And by the show, I mean the preseason game. Uh, We're not doing it because I'm going to be at a beer fest and Danny's doing something else. But that's all we got for today. Bear down, everyone. (laughs) Toodles. Bye.